Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to a lifestyle of increasing obedience that flows from our faith in Him. Do you have a growing lifestyle of obedience to Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 1 and look at this incredible principle of obedience that comes from faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to be more and more devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. This is the, uh, the second teaching in the book of Romans. We're going through, uh, we're going through the 16 chapters of Romans verse by verse by verse by verse. As I said last time, we are, uh, you know, we're doing a new format where it's uh, each each teaching is going to be 30 minute teachings. And I am making an effort to stop right at 30 minutes. And uh, so hopefully that will be helpful to to people who like a, uh, you know, a 30 minute block of teaching. And uh, for those who want more, obviously, you can listen to the next one and the next one and the next one. So. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we we thank you for this book of Romans. We thank you just for this, this incredible, overwhelming, and just the, the, the powerful insights that come out of this book, Father. We just thank you, Father, for, for the Apostle Paul, Lord, who, who wrote this book. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring him to write your word thank you. Above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, so last time we did a, an introduction, a short introduction, and we, you know, we got through, for the most part, verse 5. So I'm going to pick up in verse 5 today, and again, I don't know how far we'll get. So I'm going to start out by reading... Uh, verses 5, 6, and 7. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through him, Jesus, and for his name's sake, Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Verse 6, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay, so what does he mean here? Again, so verse 5, through him, through Jesus, and for his name's sake. Okay, so every aspect of our lives is in Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. Um, As I've said many times over the years, until we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, until we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have no understanding or relevant concept of God. 
um, we can have an intellectual understanding. Um, you know, uh, we can, uh, you know, we can grasp certain things by the common grace of God, but we cannot, we cannot truly know who God is. We certainly can't know him as our heavenly father um, until we have received Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become children of our heavenly father, right? John 1, 12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, um, you come into spiritual life. You receive eternal life. You pass from spiritual death and you come into spiritual life. And now you have relationship with the triune God. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. And so verse 5 says, through him, through Jesus, and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from, from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. So again, the purpose for which we've been called to Jesus is not simply so that our sins will be forgiven and we'll go to heaven, although that's obviously the, the most incredible benefit, right, is that we would be forgiven, we would come into spiritual life, and we would go to heaven when we die. But Paul says that through him and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles for what? To the obedience that comes from faith. And so Jesus doesn't just want converts. He wants disciples, right? We did the whole series on discipleship, right, Nathan? And, uh, you know, uh, Jesus wants every one of us, all 8 billion people in the world, to not just be converts, to not just be forgiven of their sin, to not just be Christians, but to become apprentices of Jesus, to become disciplined followers of Jesus, devout followers of Jesus who are trying to model every aspect of their lives after him. And so our, our obedience ought to be, you know, a consistent, you know, part of our growth in Christ. We're called to the obedience that comes from faith. Faith and obedience ought to be two sides of the same coin. We're not saved by any obedience. We're not saved by anything we do. We're not saved by any works that we do or, or don't do. Nothing we do gets us to heaven. Nothing we do can prevent us from going to heaven. Let that sink in, okay? We, we go to heaven simply by understanding our sinful condition. We, we, we understand the bad news. We understand that we are hopeless, helpless, desperate sinners. And from that place, we humble ourselves before Jesus and we simply receive him as our savior. We put our full trust, confidence, and reliance in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Out of that place of understanding our, our desperately lost condition, knowing that without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So again, you know, it's not our words that save us, 
but we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. And so if you're not sure that you're a Christian today, if you're not sure that Jesus is living in you, if you're not sure that you have eternal life, simply go before him now, humble yourself before him and simply pray to him, Lord Jesus, I confess that, that I am a sinful person. Lord Jesus, I know that I am hopeless and desperately lost without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe that you did come into this world and lived a perfect, righteous life on my behalf that I could never live. And I do believe that you died a torturous death on my behalf that, that I should have died. And I believe you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Now, like I said, it's not our words that save us. We don't just puppet words. Again, it's, it's Jesus, it's Christ that saves us. But, you know, we use our words, again, to, 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 you know, to communicate with him, to share our heart with him. So, again, if you're not certain you're a Christian, you know, rewind the tape, use the words I use. But, again, it's the sincerity and, obviously, the, uh, the genuineness of your heart that matters to him. Now, once a Christian, your life ought to take on a greater and greater devotion to Jesus. There ought to be an obedience that comes from your faith in Jesus, Corinne, right? Paul said that, that the purpose for which we were called is to obedience that comes from faith, um, that we're growing to obey Jesus more and more and more and more in every aspect of our lives, right? Um, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So again, examine your life today, all right? Uh, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you have uh, genuinely received him as your Lord and Savior and you have spiritual life in Jesus, are you? do you have a lifestyle of looking to increasingly obediently follow Jesus in every aspect of your life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. You know, do you have a heart to obey Jesus? The purpose for which we're saved is that we would be obedient disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? We're not just saved so that our sins can be forgiven and we can go to heaven. That's obviously incredible, it's wonderful, but the, the outworking of that, the result of that ought to be increasing obedience to Jesus. Verse six, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. All 8 billion people in the world today need Jesus, and, and every one of us is called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ today, you're called to belong to him. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, receive him today, and you will belong to him. As we've said, the scripture is plain that without Jesus, none of us will see heaven, and regrettably, only eternal hell is what awaits. So give your life to Jesus. Verse 6, and you also are among those who are called to belong 
to Jesus Christ. Verse seven, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Scott, every single Christian, every single genuine Christian is a saint, okay? The saints are not just the, the quote, incredible, devout Christians over the centuries, okay? Um, you know, many people believe that the saints are like just those those super Christians, and we'll say like St. Paul or St. Peter or Mother Teresa or, or some of the popes or, again, just, you know, uh, you know, some of the most devout Christians. They certainly are saints if they've received and trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but every single person who has genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior biblically is a saint. Certainly doesn't mean we act like it, Okay, we're not a saint based on what we've done. We're a saint based on what Jesus has done. All right, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. We're saved by God's grace alone, right? We're saved by, it's his unmerited favor toward us. And the result of that is, is peace with the triune God. We have peace with God. Right when we go over to Romans five, you'll you'll see uh, if you turn to Romans five when we get there. Uh, Romans five verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's Romans five verses one and two. Okay, so we have grace and we have peace to you from God our Father. And you notice he says, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is in God, this would be a blasphemous statement. Never would you put anyone or anything on the same line as God the Father if the next individual was in God, right? Grace and peace to you, it would just say from God our Father. But Paul says from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because we have a triune God, and they are all divine. They are all God, one being, okay, but three separate individual persons, okay? A trinity. As I've said before, you and I are one being. We are a human being. That's what we are. Who we are, I'm John Morton, okay? Um, I'm, I'm one being, and I'm one person, all right? Our God is so infinite so immense beyond comprehension. He too is one being, but yet he's three separate, individual, distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus Christ, we have relationship with them all. It's the spiritual blessings that are the greatest blessings in our life, right? Rap, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to desire the spiritual blessings may more and more and more, and the physical blessings less and less and less. Of course, we enjoy the physical blessings, but it's the spiritual blessings, grace and peace and mercy, right? That uh, that that really we ought to, to, to be pursuing more and more and more. Wow, all right. All right, so I'm going to read what? Verses 8 and 9. First, 
I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Wow. All right. That's that's uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. Paul says in verse 8, so he, he completes his introduction and he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Again, uh, it cannot be said enough. There is no meaning, no purpose, no life, no God, save Jesus. Okay? I understand that's a bold statement, but it's the clear teaching of the Bible. The, the, the scripture is unambiguous. Jesus, from his own mouth in John 14, 6, said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, so when Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, we don't, we, we, we cannot approach God in any way except in and through Jesus Christ. We can't pray to him. We can't even thank him. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And thanksgiving ought to be amongst the first things we do. We ought to wake up in the morning thanking our Heavenly Father, thanking Jesus, thanking the Holy Spirit. Do you have a lifestyle of thanksgiving, Stephen? Is thanksgiving first in your life? And are you thankful not only for the things in your life, Linz, but thankful for the blessings in the lives of others? Thankful for what your Heavenly Father is doing in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Why? Because your faith is being reported all over the world. We ought to be thankful for the work that we see our Heavenly Father in Jesus and the Holy Spirit doing in the lives of those that we know and are in relationship with all over the world. And we ought to be particularly thankful for those that are zealously walking after Jesus. Look what he says, Corinne. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. So, you know, Paul has heard about their faith. He has not been to Rome, but their faith is being reported and he's thankful for them. And he's thankful particularly, Jason, because their faith is being reported all over the world. Okay. Could that be said about you, Chris? Is it known about you? Is your faith being reported more and more? Wherever you are today, Becky, is your faith being reported? Pop, <coughs> is your faith being reported? Do you have a faith that's in a place, May, that's so zealous that other people are speaking about it? Our faith in Jesus Christ ought to be, Nathan, a faith that's recognized by those in our lives and other people speak about it. Do you have that level of faith? Regrettably, few people do. 
regrettably, a very small amount of Christians, a very small amount of disciples have a faith that's being reported by others. Again, when, again, it's when he says all over the world, again, do you have a faith that, again, that comes up in other people's minds and is, is on other people's lips? Do the people that know you know that you are zealous for Jesus Christ, that your faith is, is so on fire for Jesus that other people speak of it? That's where all of us ought to be in Jesus, and certainly all of us need to do a better job in that. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Verse nine, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Wow. Okay. Could you say, could you make this statement with Paul, God, whom I serve with my whole heart? He says in preaching the gospel of his son, how much of your heart today, Tom, how much of your heart is really used in advancing the cause of Christ? Every one of us, this is not just the preacher's job. This is not just the, the church leader's job. Every one of us as Christians and those of us who are laboring to be disciples of Jesus Christ ought to more and more, you know, be using every aspect of our lives to advance the kingdom of God, the son of God, the gospel of God, and the word of God more and more and more and more. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. Father, I do ask you to, to first forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, for just the, uh, the tremendous self-serving aspects that, that, that just we all have, certainly that I have with my own heart and the things that I pursue, Lord, in my own heart, my own, my own desires and my own needs. Oftentimes, Lord, you know, more than you and more than Jesus, I ask you to help us one and all, Father, to more and more um, use more and more of our heart and mind in the advancement of your kingdom in the advancement of the Son of God and of the Word of God. Thank you, Father. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Who do you constantly remember in your prayers at all times? Whoever you're in relationship with now, okay, all of us, have brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us are in relationship with, with many different people from many different walks of life. And we know what's going on in one another's lives. We Each of us ought to have a prayer life where we are consistently, if not constantly, remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer. How much time do you spend, Esther, in prayer for others. Each of us ought to examine ourselves. We ought to have a prayer life that not only where we're praying for ourselves and our own needs, but we're consistently remembering others in prayer. Look at the example of the apostle here. He says, God is my witness how constantly I remember you. Okay. That's bold. Okay. It's certain. 
you know, you know, obviously our heavenly father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they know everything. They know, they know our prayer life. They know what we're thinking. They know what we're praying. They know what we do. They know what we don't do. And Paul said, you know, God is my witness, how I am constantly remembering you in my prayers at all times. And that ought to be the goal of our prayer life. Not only praying for ourselves, our own wants, our own needs, but praying for others, praying certainly for our families, our children, our parents, but praying also for our brothers and sisters in Christ and praying specifically for what's going on in their lives and their relationships and their finances and their health. Do you have a lifestyle of praying for others? And obviously every one of us needs to grow and mature and lifting up others and their lifestyle and their needs before Jesus more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And he goes on to say in verse 10, and I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Every aspect of our lives, right, Jason, ought to be about desiring the will of God more and more and more and more. It's interesting, he says, and I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. He could have just said, I pray now at last that the way may be open for me to come to you. But this, you know, where he inserts, and I pray now at last that by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. We, we consistently want to seek the will of God. You remember when, you know, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. He said for us to pray, thy kingdom come this day and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We certainly want to, to lift up our prayers to our heavenly father, what we desire, not only for our own lives, but as I said, praying for others, but more than anything, we want his kingdom to come in our lives and his will to be done above our own, right? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, we ought to, to truly more and more desire his will for our lives. Um, and like Paul, we ought to pray for his will to be done. So he desires that a way may be open for him to come to Rome, okay? He hasn't been there yet. Ultimately, he will get there, but it's interesting. He's not going to get there in the way he thought. He's going to be transported there as a prisoner. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, we, we don't understand the will of God or the ways of God in our life. Um, and things, you know, sometimes, you know, come about in ways that we didn't expect. Again, Paul had planned to go to Rome, um, but, you know, ultimately he's going to get there, you know, by the Roman government as a prisoner. All right, look at uh, verses 11 to 13, and then we're going to wrap up. Verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. Verse 15, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. All right, verse 11, I long to see you 
so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That ought to be our longing for a relationship, that we can impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. You see that, Scott, verse 11? Why does he long to see the Romans? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. We ought to be looking and longing to be our to be around our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can impart some spiritual strength to them, some blessing to them, some gift of encouragement to them. This ought to be our hearts more and more and more and more. Look what he says in verse 12. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So it's almost like he checks himself and says, you know what, but I also want to receive encouragement from you. His desire is to impart to them some spiritual gift, right? To help them grow closer to Jesus, to help them be more effective and devoted in their walk with Jesus. But at the same time, he wants this mutual encouragement. Again, our lives ought to be one that, you know, that are increasingly growing in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, where more and more our lives are about encouraging one another in Jesus. Most of us, you know, if we were to examine our lives now, would see that that it's it's a very small part of our lives that that really is about building each other up in Christ. And that's not, again, this is not just the professional minister's job. This is all of our job. And then he says in verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you. Remember when I had said he wanted to go to Rome, but he didn't get there. Ultimately, he's going to get there, but in a way that he hadn't planned. He's going to be arrested for preaching the gospel, and he's going to be transported there on a Roman ship. But he'd been prevented from doing so until now. Why did he plan to go there, verse 13? In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Paul's desire to go anywhere, his desire is to go to Rome, to go to Rome is to have a harvest for Jesus. Again, you see the tremendous focus in this man's life that wherever he goes, he wants to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. And that ought to be the focus of our lives is that we see a harvest for Jesus more and more and more and more. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your favor, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace in our lives. Father, we do ask you to bless us today with more grace and peace and mercy through you, our God and Father, and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you again for this book. We thank you for the book of Romans, Father. We do, Lord, ask you to help us, lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, to to more consistently remember not only ourselves, but others in prayer and to be building each other up one and all. Help us to build each other up in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now in Jesus name. Amen and amen.